Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. But first, as always, we kick things off with a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Uh, today is Thursday, August the 5th. I'm John Van Trieste and joining me here in the studio today is Stash Butler Hello. and our brand new addition, Emma Benack. Hi, I'm really excited to be here today. All right. Well, thanks you both for joining me today. Coming up next, we'll be talking about some runaway fish. Also, a, the scrapping of a rule that requires street performers to pass tests before they can get permits. And we're also going to be talking about the reopening of dining, indi- indoor dining here in Taiwan amid the COVID-19 pandemic's easing. Mm. All, all that coming up next. Please stick around. Well, before we get into any of that, I think first things first, we'd better introduce our new face here around the studio. Welcome, Emma. Oh, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I just started earlier this week, and yeah, I've already been learning a lot, and it's such a cool feeling to be in this kind of environment with yeah. all these different foreign languages. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to seeing uh, the content you produce. I understand you've got a radio background. Want to tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, so I started in radio when I was a freshman in college. I just happened to be sitting next to some people that said that they had a show on the college radio station and I was like oh wow that's so cool that just anyone can do that so I was an apprentice for a semester and mm. it was live radio so it's kind of cool to be doing um, this right now even though we also do recorded here and yeah my first semester I was just training then you have to take a written test and finally I got to have my own show oh really yeah so mostly it was music based and then Uh, I ended up having a co-host later who was one of my best friends and basically we would choose different themes and music that was related to it and then discuss the music uh, every week and you've it was for a, about an hour and a half. You've got a professional DJ in the house. Uh, <laughs> can, I wouldn't say that. It was just four years in college mm. and I never really thought I could return to it I guess. I thought oh that was like such a special time for me and I well, I remember leaving the studio that day thinking that I'll probably never get this chance again mm. and then a few months ago I started a show at a radio station in Tainan called uh, Sheng or The Sound of Freedom. The Sound of Freedom. Yeah. Oh, also a music-based program? Um, it is music-based, but it's also, I guess, I have, basically the show alternates every other week between me hosting it in Chinese and then hosting it in English. And I try every time to get a different guest on the show and kind of through music have them share some of their life experiences. Hmm. So... I asked them maybe to pick about 20 minutes of music of specific songs that have really meant something to them or remind them of special memories. And then we end up kind of talking about those cool, things. Cool, cool. And how did you end up in Taiwan? Uh, I 
majored in Chinese studies in college, and one semester my Chinese professor happened to be from Taiwan. Mm, and that's she, always how it starts. <laughs> yeah. And, how the love story begins. Yeah, so she recommended me to apply for this scholarship, and I came here for two months one summer. I was at NCKU in Tainan, and yeah, I just really fell in love with Taiwan, and I said to myself, okay, after I graduate, I have to come back here. So I went. Familiar story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Emma, Emma's been living in Tainan. In like the south of Taiwan, for yeah. those of you who may not be familiar with our geography. Yeah, it's a really a cool city. Actually, probably my favorite city uh, in, mine as in well. Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. it's, it's very much <laughs> unlike Taipei, which, um, I don't know, I mean, I guess... It, Tainan, have they made a, a more of an effort to kind of preserve some of their older buildings? And they are, to be fair, far, far older than Taipei. Yeah, I mean, so, that's true. Yeah, I mean, because Tainan was... Centuries. You know, yeah, the first sort of major kind of capital, mm. I guess, or one of the first. Well, we're very happy to uh, have you here. Welcome. And uh, well, we want to start off with your first story. We're going to give the honor of the day for story <laughs> to you. It's about some runaway fish, or I guess swimaway fish, huh? I've never heard of fish running <laughs> yeah i mean i've heard of fish flying um apparently that's a thing near orchid island that there's some flying fish there but yeah when stash mentioned this article i was like wow uh that's kind of crazy so basically um i don't know if you've noticed but it's been raining a lot lately yeah, yeah. As, even if we think that it's raining a lot up here in taipei apparently it's even more crazy down south mm. so my friends in tainan they're like oh my God, I hate driving my scooter to go to work or come back because it's literally like you just took a shower by the time you <laughs> oh get God. home. So anyway, at this uh, farmer's association in Jiayi City, it started raining so hard that they were at this market and people started having to carry the goods out of the market into cars or other places where they could get to higher land because <laughs> the flooding was literally wow. getting that high. It's like a flash flood, very sudden. I guess so. I mean, I mm. I would have thought too that they they would have noticed before you think, things. You think water yeah, it's like oh, it'll be fine. It'll go down. It'll go down. It'll go. Okay, then now we should get out of <laughs> oh, here. The fish are running away. Everything yeah. is fine. So the fish that they were selling started sw swimming away. Yeah. So basically, there's a pool in this facility, I guess, where they sell fish for people to eat. Mm. And the water levels got so high that the pool overflooded, and the fish started swimming away. And the secretary general of this farmers association she just got right down to business grabbed a net and tried to keep the fish from swimming away into wow. the gutters wow because the fish apparently started finding the gutters like the escape routes very oh, quickly very gutter fish. it's like uh it's kind of like um finding nemo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like they're trying to find the best way out you know i, I i'm surprised that they could catch fish like, i just thought you know once it's out you know you know slippery as a fish kind of. yeah <laughs> i guess she have a net like that yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe if they kind of contained, you know, close the doors. I, I imagine if it's raining that hard and flooding so badly, the containers they were in probably started floating away too. Well, yeah. I guess that was a yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to envision this scene, but I don't know. I was kind of thinking maybe she got so good at catching these fish from going to, like, in the night markets, they have so many games where the kids oh, go fishing yeah. for these little fish. I was like, ah, oh, finally my day has come. Yeah, <laughs> they said that my fish catching skills would never get me anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's my time to shine. Exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, it's just, it, it seems just like a kind of a crazy situation. I can't imagine. I mean, yeah, because like, you think like really muddy water as well. Right. Like, you'd have to have a real eye for these mm. fish. I wonder how much money, like, in terms of the losses yeah. for the ones that got away that they accumulated. I also hope, I mean, I, I hope that they got the other animals, the ones that maybe were less sort of good at swimming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they usually have live animals. I don't know that they're allowed to, especially since bird that, flu and all that. That's true. People are definitely more cautious of that kind mm. of thing. 
Well, uh, pretty uh, amusing uh, scenario there. Well, Stash recently went on a bit of an adventure. Uh, well, at least an adventure given the times we're living in. Given the in. times, yeah. <laughs> it's not normally you call going out for a meal an adventure. <laughs> I guess, but yeah, when you've been... Well, not, you know, I'm not going to say we've been confined inside because Taiwan never kind of instituted a very hard lockdown. I don't know about you, but I haven't been anywhere in months. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been to work that's, at least. That's like it, though. That's it, yeah. I mean, there's been, there's been, there hasn't been many fun things to do. Uh, and, you know, most, even kind of national parks and stuff have been closed, which right. is somewhat controversial. But anyway, um, we, uh, yeah, so Taipei and New Taipei City uh, formally reopened indoor dining uh, as of yesterday. Um, mm. And that's something that's been coming. It's been in the works for a while, I guess. I mean, the, you know, government, the central government has basically been saying you can do this if you like uh, to the kind of regional governments uh, for a while. And they've all been saying, no, we're not doing that. Um, right. But now we're down to level two of a four level system. Um, a lot, New Taipei and Taipei City basically decided they want, you know, that this is something that they can do. Um, so yeah, I headed out to a restaurant. I wasn't really sure what to expect, to be honest. I thought, uh, I mean, actually, yesterday or the day before, Taipei Mayor Kowenzer said, like, I hope I don't see, you know, restaurants just full to the brim. Well, they have limits on how many I mean, they do people have, yeah. they can see. I mean, seat. Full, full to the brim is, is an exaggeration because you're right. They have, like, limits on seating. They have to, there are loads of restrictions that are still in place. You have to sit, uh, what they call, what is it, kind of cherry flower? What's the meihua kind of... Um, oh, it's like diagonally to yeah, one another. Yeah, but basically it means uh, kind of, you know... Crisscross. Crisscross kind of staggered kind of seating so you, no one's um, directly in front of anyone else. It makes for very awkward conversation. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> I haven't been to one since they opened, but I in the days right before Tainan got to level three, they had people sitting diagonally. And I was just like, you know, we came here with each other. And yeah. And you're wearing masks as well. And then yeah. you get the screen. So you can't really hear what mm-hmm. the other person's saying. I mean, so yeah, I was just like, I didn't know what to expect. I, I mean, I was ready. Um, if, if you're interested in sort of hearing or seeing more, you can watch our Taiwan Insider episode that's coming out soon. I'll have a video on this. But but I, I was ready to kind of interview people, you know, other diners and be like, oh, how do you feel about coming back? And I turn up there and there's, no one there yeah i think people are still cautious especially yeah. well you're fully vaccinated but most people here are not yeah it's true so i think there's probably a lot of concern especially about the delta variant and yeah the risk of breakthrough cases yeah um, even if you've gotten one dose yeah i mean it's, it's definitely people are cautious and that's definitely a good thing i mean i guess for the businesses it's kind of it's difficult and i know yeah. heard about lots of these I, restaurants i got closing. a call from my gym yesterday being like when are you coming back and i'm like really? when, when, <laughs> when, when this is over <laughs> yeah i think a lot of businesses are suffering i know of a i mean this was a, a vegan restaurant um I, I tend to visit lots of vegan restaurants mm-hmm. um uh but there's another popular kind of chain of two restaurants at least called Ucha Cha, which i know is sort of suffering um, I think a lot of these places, they just can't survive just on takeout alone. A lot of places I've seen have already gone under. Really? Yeah, the sushi takeaway uh, at our uh, the nearest station to here has yeah. finally gone under after really? many, <laughs> many, many years of serving the good people of the, this really? area fine yeah. sushis. In general, uh, during this lockdown period, have you guys been more fans of takeout or cooking yourself at home? Um, delivery, like Uber Eats type of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. I'm doing a kind of mix. Uh, I'd say like mostly cooking. Quite a big fan of like cooking just one meal in like vast quantities and then just eating it over like the next yeah. three days. I guess I'm lucky. I live with someone who does most of the cooking. Oh, so. oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, oh, you're, awesome. you're a living chef. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, so I. Can I mean, that's kind of the case with me as well. Meals. I, when I say I cook, I kind of I rarely. I wash Add a stuff. little salt and pepper. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I do the me. finishing ganache. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to be able to kind of go out and... Uh, I mean, it's something that we would sometimes go and have a meal together as RTI colleagues. So I'm excited to be able to do... Time. It's been a very long time. Yeah. I, I'm excited to be able to do that again, but I don't know when that's going to be. I need to think probably at least one shot before i feel comfortable going really out because because with delta you that's bad it's, true it's, well there's no delta variant in in taiwan at the moment they had it though and, they did they did and yeah. remember the, these olympic athletes are coming back they are not being quarantined oh no i'm sure they're getting the last tested time like people, crazy and they're also vaccinated though that's true but again delta no breakthrough no, no. cases true, they true, happen true, true. and then suddenly we've got delta yeah and that's not fun true. so Although, remember the yeah. last time they let people in without being quarantined those pilots yeah that's how we got to where we are now that's so, true stay clear think, of the athletes yeah, a couple, a couple weeks a couple <laughs> weeks give it a few a few weeks to sort itself out and I'm, yeah i'm not gonna lie i've never been in super close circles with olympic athletes so i don't think i'll be coming <laughs> well, into contact there's not with much them. of a risk whoever gets into contact with them and then it very quickly we'll you know, see spreads I, mean, through the community. I know that they're being tested very very stringently um and yeah like i said they are vaccinated so even if it doesn't prevent infection it should, in theory, at least reduce the severity of the virus. And if, and generally speaking, if you're less like, the more the more serious your infection, the more likely you are to spread it to others. Is mm. my understanding. But. I don't know. I'm very. I've also gotten used to just kind of staying at home. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of feels weird now <laughs> to go out to be like there's an outside world. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit odd, but uh, yeah, good, good. Uh, did you find yourself? Uh, enjoying the awkward diagonal it was, it dining was very, experience so yeah like sitting diagonally like i say it's like we came here together like we're, <laughs> we're gonna go and spend time to, we, we came in a taxi together we live together we're yeah. not gonna like you know there's Cross no contaminate like what's the point i mean i understand that like from the restaurant's perspective these are the rules they need to follow and if they don't follow them they can get in trouble so like i don't blame them obviously but it's like it does you know you do think like i mean come on and like it, it, there were weird things as well i guess like because uh, I eat uh, a lot, so you know I'm happy to like finish other people's plates, oh, but obviously that's not something you can do. Now, no. So they they ask you before you order something like, is this something for you or is this something you're going to share? And if it's something you're going to share, we'll cut it for you, like we'll divide it wow. for you. Um, that's crazy. It was just it was it was very. Weird. And then you know there's a whole kind of thing about like you know when you wear your mask and when you don't. So you kind of finish a dish and you're kind of waiting for your next one and kind of like they're awkwardly like should I be wearing my mask? Like, technically I'm not eating. You've got so. like a, do you have like a referee next to your table? Masks on. <laughs> <laughs> With a <the> whistle. <laughs> yeah. Okay, masks off. I I, <laughs> masks on again. They should. Maybe that'd be, and you know, and the thing about the kind of the, uh, the, the, the staggered seating as well is that like you're sitting at a table uh, and the person you're with is diagonally opposite you. But then the, on the table next to you, there's someone diagonally opposite you, except there's no divider in between you. Oh. So you're kind of like, <laughs> point. I'm, and I'm, I'm closer to you than I am to the person on my tape. I don't know. <laughs> ah, well, well uh, it's good that they can at least do some business, yeah. even if no one's showing up. Hopefully we'll get to the point soon where we can be dining normally, not diagonally once again. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe it's because Taiwan is the only place I've ever lived in, in like in an urban environment, but even I've been to some other parts of the world and I've never seen nearly as many street performers as we have here in Taiwan. Really? Especially in Taipei, there are so many street performers. I guess... I'm trying to think. I feel like in in London, there where I'm from, yeah. there's a lot of street oh, that's performers. that's true. I'm from New York, and there's a lot of street performers. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking like I've I've I have studied in Japan. I've never seen a street performer there, or like traveling around Asia, other parts of Asia. Yeah, I can't I can't think of anywhere in Asia that I've seen this. Well, one thing you get, we get in London, and I think you you do it in the. I mean, I've only been to New York once as well, but like. You don't really get like performers in stations in in Taipei, do you? Really? No, like, uh, and the main station occasionally they'll have a very bad violinist. <laughs> we get them even in the subway cars, like while the subway is. Yeah, moving. exactly. And then like in in London, you have there are like there are designated spaces where you have right. like buskers. So like the stations are often just like filled with music. Uh, the only other place I can think and remember seeing uh, street performers is in Paris. Yeah, when they had people. Dancing through the the train cars. Oh really? But I think that was a special <laughs> festival. I'm just picturing. I I just just a normal like, day in Paris. I just think like accordionists. Yeah, like, no, no, that's exactly what it was. But I think it was a special music citywide music festival. That oh, day. Really? I hope that's something that happens every day. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, uh, here in Taiwan, they're, they they at least were pretty strictly regulated. If you ever see them performing. They, you'll see that they have a sort of laminated card with their license to perform on them, and they have to like get permission, usually from the local city or county government. Mm. Uh, and there's a test involved, so like it's like the X factor, or kind of. It's like, like yeah, like the, there's a Simon Cowell person. Yeah. Being like, <laughs> no, um, but that's been ruled unconstitutional. Really? Uh, someone took this to the what, constitutional what part of the grand justices. I, I can't imagine that you know Sun Yat Sen made some <laughs> provisions uh, well, some judges of. decided that yes indeed he did a street performer in 2014 was issued five demerit points and banned for reapplying for a permit for a year because taipei city government ruled that uh that he had too many people watching him what? in the minimum oh. the max it exceeded the maximum for the area that he applied to use what? So um, I thought you were about to say because he had no talent. Yeah, that's no. what I thought this was about, and I was like, it sounds like there's a sore loser. Here. Yeah, no, there's a lot of people who I think probably should uh, be disqualified on this ground. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, so yeah, so a bunch of justices, the Council of Grand Justices, uh, actually God, took up this case. This is what they're like. So like, like I went to law school yeah, for this. For this. Um, but they say that these regulations do not benefit the public. Um, and So specifically the ones about crowd numbers? About, no, about having them take a, a test. The thing is that he was pr- prohibited from, I guess, retaking the test. Oh. oh. And so they're not, they're not necessarily saying that he was in the right for violating the space rules about how many people you can crowd in the space. Mm. But uh, the part where they said he can't reapply... To take so he should be allowed to reapply. He should be able to. Well, he shouldn't have to take the test at all. So there should be. There's so the demerits stay, I guess. Right. But there's the 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 very the very principle of having to take a test or reapply is against the con- so the spirit the, of the con- law. So the tests are out of the window. There's gonna be no yes. tests. Um, so we are gonna have, I imagine, a large number of very. <laughs> mediocre. They're gonna God. come mediocre, out of the woodwork. Mediocre, yeah. I can tolerate, but in a park near us are some people, and I just don't understand. They've got loudspeakers doing very bad karaoke covers of 
It's the standards. Oh, God. And I don't understand how they have the goal to ask people for money because I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. here's a hundred, go away. If you guys had to be street performers, what would you want to perform? Like, what kind of act would you do, do you Ooh. think? Hmm. I, I, I'd want to do, uh, so I play drums. I'd want to do one of those, like, kind of cool pots and pans, kind of the stomp, ruckus kind of type things. Yeah, yeah. where you're, like, drumming on a, something like that. I mean, I mean, you, you say that's bad. I remember uh, in back in London, I once passed by a lady standing outside a bank uh with you know like a kind of hat on the floor for for money and she was just hitting a tambourine and I, and I and i mean like there was no accompanying music she was just striking a tambourine against her hand just you know at a kind of steady rate per per minute that and that was that was her her act uh mm. so you know that that's probably just we need to have some kind of standard plumbing here. the depths of what is possible in terms of uh acts and what would you what would your performance be john me um i don't know uh is like they're like a street performer version of drag um uh, i definitely be like <laughs> um i don't know maybe like jug juggling can you juggle? No. <laughs> I can teach you. I can juggle. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, one of those people who have those big rings they hang on to and they spin around. Oh, those are cool. Um, and that kind of stuff I can get behind. And, like, and yeah, like, they're, they're I guess this, the stuff I see more here is the kind of big, kind of dramatic music, people throwing yeah. things in the air, kind of, like, you know, like, what's that called? The Diablo kind of, oh, yeah. That kind of stuff yeah. as well. So, um, the, here's, for clarification, some more interpretations of what, the, the governments can and can't do to street performers. They can't review the content of a street performer's act, but they can limit the time, location, methods, and other aspects of the performance. For instance, a local government cannot mandate that a street performer refrain from bearing their body. As a, as a quote right. from this well, during a performance. So okay. they can they can strip, I guess. But, presumably but they can limit it to times and places where this would not affect children and other passers-by. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there are limits from on this. public decency in, in, in that as well, I imagine. They said they can't control the content. It's a but freedom presumably, of expression. But if, but if it breaks the law, then like... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we need a legal expert here. It's possible. Well, some other counties and cities do still have permit requirements and those may be out the window now because of this Taipei case. So how's it going to work then? Do they just kind of, is it first come first serve? You take up a corner and get a tambourine and start. You know, like, You're you know, good like, to go. Like, oh, I'd like to apply for a permit. So what's your act? You can't ask me that. That's against the law. Yeah. So I'm going to sue you and make give, a million yeah. dollars. Yeah. Far, yeah, give, far more than I would have made on the street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give it to me or you know, you'll have to find out. <laughs> Wait and see. I'll see know. you at Yuanshan Station at 5 p.m. I don't know. There's a lot of strange buskers by that station. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe them. They they wear like a very alien-looking costume and like kind of do a ro robotic movements to with music playing. That's cool. I mean, you get the kind of the whole crowds of like kids doing the, like the pop and the pop the poppers and lockers. The ones those who, people, <laughs> are, those kids are actually good. They're though. really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I also like think it's such a like from what I understand. A lot of them, it's like, uh, it seems like, you know, they start with maybe like three people and then by the end, they've got like 10. It seems like kind of, you can kind of just join in. Have you know. guys ever been part of a flash mob before? I haven't. Have you? I have. <gasps> what did you do? Uh, like a zombie version of Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, so you learned, learned the whole oh, yeah. dance. That's was... exciting. That's cool. <laughs> but we should do an RTI flash mob. Well, we have the, um, the Chinese New Year staff party you missed it this year i did it was canceled. Yeah, it was canceled yeah yeah because of covid but sad maybe next year we can arrange for something <laughs> some 
and then we can we don't have to apply for permits anymore we can take it to the street exactly. after that you can remove, <laughs> and then to the worst stages of, of the world clothing yeah <laughs> maybe not removing items maybe not let's, 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 let's rule that out all right well that just about does it for today's edition of here in taiwan i'm john van trieste i'm emma banat and i'm stash butler please stay tuned because coming up next it is hashtag taiwan highlights and in the spotlight Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. Every week in the show, we take a look at what's trending online in Taiwan. It could be a hashtag on Twitter, it could be a funny video on YouTube, or it could be something someone said on Facebook. The thing is, if it went viral, I'm covering it here. This week, we're going to be talking about the Olympics. Now, Taiwan does participate in the Olympics, but it doesn't participate under the name Taiwan. It participates under the name Chinese Taipei. Now, if you've been following the Olympics, Taiwan has been having its best Olympic performance ever. But I want to roll back the clock and talk about the opening ceremony that happened in Tokyo. A Japanese announcer for the Japanese broadcasting service NHK actually called Taiwan Taiwan when Team Chinese Taipei emerged into the stadium. And that was a big deal online because in the past, like I said, Taiwan has to compete as Chinese Taipei at the Olympics. And during that time, all of the athletes competing for Taiwan have to be referred to as such. So this was a huge deal, and I'm going to get into why during this week's Hashtag Taiwan. It's coming up next. Don't go away. Remember two weeks ago when I said this? The 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo, Japan will kick off. Be on the lookout for this flag and the name Chinese Taipei. For complex geopolitical reasons that I'm not getting into, Taiwan cannot compete as Taiwan. Well, a lot of news outlets are now picking up on that and explaining why Taiwan can't compete as Taiwan. Here's the thing though, Japanese media broadcaster NHK went out of its way to remind people during the Tokyo 2020 Olympic opening ceremony that Chinese Taipei is actually Taiwan. In fact, they flat out said it. The announcer straight up said Taiwan deaths when the team entered the stadium. She basically saw the Chinese Taipei Olympic flag and just went, oh, that's... That's Taiwan. That's Taiwan. It's nice that Taiwan is being recognized as Taiwan because we're already so used to Chinese Taipei. An online user even took to the Taiwanese forum PTT asking, Did NHK just make a boo-boo? Did they really just say Taiwan? Was that an accident? You see, 
Even Taiwanese people aren't used to being called Taiwan at the Olympics. Taiwan deaths is a big deal. Here's why. Harvard fellow and Taiwan scholar Lev Nachman tweeted, There is something about the nature of contested states where simply hearing their contested name in an international context brings a sense of resistance to their marginalization. And that is Smarty Pants Speak for because Taiwan can't be Taiwan at the Olympics, hearing Taiwan said and acknowledged is all the more meaningful. Many memes about this situation show a kind-hearted Japan telling Chinese Taipei it's okay to be referred to as Taiwan. So impactful is the term Taiwan desk that it has become the de facto hashtag for tweeting about Taiwan at the Olympics. You can see it plastered across posts celebrating victories and Taiwanese Olympians. Since we're on the topic, let's talk about another one of Taiwan's names. Taiwan's official name as a country is the Republic of China, or ROC for short, not to be confused with the People's Republic of China across the strait. I've explained why in a past episode of Hashtag, and if you need a refresher, I'll have a link below. Now, what's confusing is there is a team called ROC at this year's Olympics, but it's got nothing to do with Taiwan. That ROC is actually short for Russian Olympic Committee. Russia was caught in a doping scandal back in 2019 and was banned from international sporting events for four years. However, by competing under the name ROC, Russian athletes can still participate in the Olympics. Spoiler alert, it's a loophole. But I just feel bad for the guy who sees ROC and thinks, Taiwan des? Ga? And that just about does it for this week's Hashtag Taiwan. What do you think? Do you think it was a big deal that Japanese broadcasting company NHK said Taiwan during the opening ceremony? Well, I definitely think it was. And that little story at the end about ROC, I thought that was that was kind of funny because when I looked up the medal rankings, I was thinking, wow, Taiwan sure is winning a lot of medals, only to realize that it was Russia's team. Before we go, I'm going to remind you to check out the Taiwan Insider Facebook page at facebook.com slash Taiwan Insider. Taiwan Insider is the weekly news magazine show that Hashtag Taiwan is part of. Anyway, until next week, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you again soon. Hashtag Taiwan is going to be right back with a new edition next week. We turn now to the Olympics, and what better way to start than with Guo Xingchun, who picked up the first gold medal for Taiwan at this year's Games in Tokyo. Guo Xingchun is a Taiwanese four-time world champion, two-time Universiade champion, one-time Asian Games champion, and four-time Asian champion. Now she can add Olympic gold medalist to her list of achievements. On Tuesday, Guo beat out all other women competitors in her 59-kilogram weight class to claim Taiwan's first gold medal at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Guo Xingchun was born in Taiwan's Yilan County on November 26, 1993. The 27-year-old is of indigenous Amis descent. She made her Olympic debut in 2012 in London where she placed 6th overall in the women's 58-kilogram weight category. Then, at the 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, she took home a bronze medal despite an injury. After a less-than-optimal performance in Rio, Guo has not lost a single major competition, taking home gold medals at the World Weightlifting Championships, the Asian Games, the Universiade, and the Asian Championships. Guo was favored to win gold at Tokyo, and she delivered with a vengeance. 
Gore lifted a combined 236 kilograms, an Olympic record but just short of the world record of 247 kilograms which she herself holds. However, Guo's Olympic performance put her more than 19 kilograms ahead of runner-up Polina Gureva of Turkmenistan. For Guo, Tuesday wasn't about setting records, it was about winning gold. Still, not smashing her own record was a sign for Guo that she'd have to return and defend her title the next time the Olympics roll around. Leslie Liao, RTI News. What an amazing athlete. Now, in just four days, Taiwan picked up six medals at this year's Games. That's breaking its own record for the most medals it's ever won in a single year at the Olympics. The first medal went to Yang Yongwei, an indigenous Taiwan athlete. He's the first Taiwanese athlete to win an Olympic medal in judo. Both his mother and his brother also excel in this sport. Now, I think he got a bunch of new fans at the medal ceremony. He looked down at the medal that he just won, and then he took a big sniff of it as though he you know, just couldn't imagine that he'd won this medal. It was very cute. Now, the next medal came in Taekwondo. Luo Jialing picked up a bronze in the sport, which she began learning in kindergarten. The 19-year-old athlete also comes from a martial arts family, and she practices with both her father and her brother. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Hello there. You've just tuned into In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And with me in the studio, well, actually on the phone, is Anne Liao. And um, I did actually interview her before, but she is a social entrepreneur, educator, and public speaker. She specializes in sustainability and green technology. And I am chatting with Anne again just because we're in the midst of COVID and just wonder if anything's different about her life and her entrepreneurship <laughs> and um, everything that she's doing in life. But it sounds like she's doing pretty good. So let's meet Anne. Hi, Anne. Hi. Hi, Shirley. Nice to, nice to have a chat again. Yeah, I know it's been a while. But anyway, how are things going for you? Anything new? Mm. <laughs> really great question. Uh, well, COVID has affected, um, I'm sure, many people's lives, including my own. Things are just a bit slower than usual, but um, it's picking up back pace again. Good. What kind of things are, are you busy with? Um, I'm working on a couple of different projects, but one of our main ones uh, for, the, for the year is a food festival on Instagram. It's called the Future Burger Festival. Oh, that sounds yummy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess what you've been doing before, even prior to COVID, has always been using electronics and online and everything. So this COVID hasn't really, really affected you in any way, has it? Uh, it has a lot, actually, because oh, really? um, a big part of my job is education and public speaking. Oh, um, right. Which means, you know, now we can't gather and we can't do workshops. We can't do public speaking. Um, mm. So everything has been moved to online. But yeah. luckily, because um, Taiwan was, uh, you know, handling COVID ver very well for a year, mm. uh, we had that kind of buffer period of thinking about everything on an online perspective and offline. Mm. Okay, so let's go back to this um, burger. I only caught the word burger. <laughs> okay. So what is it about? 
Oh, it's basically a food security project um, dedicated to, you know, safeguarding Taiwan's own uh, food, uh, food and agricultural industry. So as you know, climate change is affecting, um, you know, everybody's lives, right? But a big part of this um, that, you know, we should be worrying about is food supply. Um, you know, with, with climate change, it means that there could be more drought. There could be a lot of uh, weather issues. Uh, we had a really bad drought in Taiwan um, previous couple months ago. We did. Um, and yes, yes. And that really then affects the livelihood of, um, you know, the agricultural industry. It means that, you know, if there's an issue with that, we can have like not enough food, right, to, mm. to safeguard our livelihoods. Um, and this is affecting every, you know, everyone down the line, right? From like very, very high end businesses like restaurants all the way to very like, you know, everyday night market foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this festival is really just a fun way to um, educate the public about what's available in the world in terms of food technology, right? Mm-hmm. Like in order for us to be safe and have enough food supply, we can't just rely on you know, the four seasons that we have like relied on for the past, you know, many, many years, right? Mm. Where we know that there's going to be a rain at a certain time because now we don't know, right? Yeah. It could be another drought, right? So right. so it's really about focusing on Taiwan's own ecosystem. What technology do we have here? Educating the public. So we are working, you know, using the burger. The burger is really just an ecosystem. It, it's educating the public that, mm. You know, in in our own country, what do we have? Like, for example, a burger, a bun is made from, you know, wheat, right? Mm-hmm. Or or what kind of, you know, crops, right? Yeah. And then and then we have the patty, which is the protein. And then we have the cheese, which is the dairy, right? People, we, we're trying to educate the public to dissect the food so mm-hmm. that they understand and they can feel kind of like, oh, what, what could happen in the future that we won't have this anymore? So mm-hmm. then, you know, we're working with chefs because chefs are the first line um, to to you know to be yeah. able to cook up something very interesting and good, yeah. but they can use like the newest technology. Um, so yeah, we we're really trying to build something that's very interesting, fun, and tasty mm. for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're actually really um, like inventing tasty food. Yeah. Well, we're inventing how to educate the public. Really, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. We, we're the, the whole focus is on food security. How do we make such a, you know, like non, not that exciting subject for most people into something that's interesting for them to experience, which is real food. Um, right. So we're working with a, a uh, an R&D company, uh, kind of like a Beyond Meat, kind of like, you know, those big brands right now in the West, but it's a local Taiwanese company. Right. And, and helping them to, yeah, and helping them to like, you know, um, you know, build up their, their uh, you know, base in in taiwan locally right so we know that there's this stuff available here as well it doesn't have to be flying in from overseas it can be local ah i see so there are chefs in on this with you to educate people online yes yes Uh because chefs are also very creative like chefs that we're working with is mid-high-end restaurants and they're very creative they they really love learning about technology and what's available right Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a great, like we, we are the bridges basically between like industry, the customer base, um, to create something that's together. We can learn together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About how to be safer with our food. So this was your idea from scratch, was it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what was <laughs> the company? Yeah. Yeah. So what was the very first thing you did? You got in touch with some chefs or you, you try to find people who have the same idea as you and. You are a team, and you, that's how you got this educational thing going. How did you start well, I, on this? Mm, 
Right. Um, so I've always been um, thinking about sustainability and climate issues mm-hmm. from a more consumer like perspective, right? Because I teach design thinking and design thinking is always looking at ways to kind of um, create different options for people that would really focus on the user's experience. Mm. Um, and so for me, it was really looking at there's a problem, which is food security. Mm-hmm. And um, as a consultant, I'm, I'm always, you know, um, teaching, right, always educating um, with businesses about, you know, what they can do to better the environment, or what they can do with technology to up, up kind of like raise their values a little bit, as well as, you know, be more competitive in the market. Mm. So naturally, you know, um, speaking with, uh, with a lot of people within the food industry, a big issue is um, that they want to be more sustainable, but they don't believe, well, they, what they see is that people are like the consumer is not really learning about this area. So they wouldn't be paying extra or they wouldn't be, you know, interested enough to mm. support something new. Right. right. But as a, you know, as an educator, I also know that's not true because a user is interested, but they use a different language, right? Mm. So it's really these different barriers that we're breaking because we we know that they care about the same thing, but they use different language. Mm. So we knew that there was already a base. There was already people interested in, in, in being more sustainable with their food, interested in supporting um, new technology, but they don't know how to reach that new technology. Mm-hmm. And then the new technology inventors, right, the actual research and development um, businesses, they just don't know how to get to the consumer, right? Mm. To, 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 they don't have this bridge. So, oh, so, so that's, that's where really you come where in. we came in. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So, so your students, so to speak, that really hear you, you know, um, you know, give these public speeches are yeah. businesses. Are yes, yes. So we do we do both yeah. actually. Okay. We have uh, we 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 educate um corporates as well, like uh-huh. corporate training kind of style, yeah. um to speak about these issues. But we also directly go into like working with the with the FNB, the the creatives. I would say the people that can really drive change and the technology. Um. So so we are like consultants for each of them. So we can basically educate all of them at the same time. So you should be coming to RTI and giving one of these classes, maybe a series of these to. classes. I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. When are you going to get around to approaching us? <laughs> oh, I would love to. I mean, you know, um, so far we've, we've been approached. Um, our team is not that big. Um, we, we really strive for like, you know, quality, right? Yeah. So we're really trying to build a very um, inclusive, holistic approach to sustainability and climate action. Mm. But through, you know, um, like we said, the consumer's perspective that that, you know, why do you want to invest in something? Right. It has to you need to take away something fun with it, too. You need to be interested. Um, Mm. So, you know, we're always crafting uh, projects that are exciting for us. Mm. um, You know, our our, the businesses that we're working with and the consumer. So it Mm. takes a lot of time really to 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 build. Yeah. But in terms of training, of course, we're really always happy to share and. We work with, you know, uh, education like institutes as well. We work with um, corporates. We work with students. Yeah. So a couple mm. of my interns are only 18, you know, like 17, 18 years old. And they're, yeah, they're also getting educated from this perspective. All right. I mean, yeah. you know, now it's a summer vacation. So obviously, you know, students, you know, they'll be bored staying at home all the time. And yeah. so they can do some internship, like something like with yes. you. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Yes, well, yes. food, I think, is on the mind of everybody 
um, no matter whether it's COVID or not, right? Yes. And so yes. I think um, even here at RTI, we used to have a cafeteria downstairs, and we used to have uh, this couple that actually cooks our food and everything. But then they moved half a year, more than half a year ago now, and um, that's because with COVID. Uh, people could, you know, actually outside people can order the food from our cafeteria, you know, and so, so cheap because they use like employees um, privilege, you know, and so yes, credit. Yeah. yeah, credit. And the thing is that um, um, with COVID, you know, these outside people can only order takeouts. So they after a while, they decided that they, don't, they just want to move away, you know, and uh, allow dining, I guess, because they make more money that way, I'm sure. But um, mm. but that meant other cafeterias or other businesses couldn't come in or didn't feel like coming in because they still have to only allow takeouts. So we are in the middle of nowhere because <laughs> we don't have a 7-Eleven next door or anything like that, not even a oh, supermarket my. or restaurants. And so... Um, you know, now we're putting a lot of emphasis when it comes to lunchtime, you know, we're going to order these lunch boxes so that we can feed ourselves out here out of, you know, in nowhere. And so right. it's a big issue, you know, and we're always like comparing like different places, how the good the food is and should we continue to order from them or not. But I think it'll be good for us to be educated about like, you know, why it's so hard for these, you know, food businesses to stay, to stay operating. Because all this food issue and food security issue is so mm. much more than just, you know, stuffing food in our mouth and then being satiated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a whole supply chain issue. Yeah. Um, that starts with the climate, really. Um, mm. And, you know, with the different risks um, that we are, everybody is facing, you know, whether that be, you know, the, the rainwater issue, freshwater supply um, to various different kinds of um um, viruses, you know, mm. kind of like popping up everywhere and people are not able to go work in the field, right? Or they're not able to work in the factory, then who creates the food? Yeah. Um, there's so many different areas that we need to think about to be yeah. smarter and more intelligent and more agile. So if let's say um, traditionally things were done in a certain way, now we have to think about kind of combining other powers. Um, like, you know, for example, you don't, you know, people wouldn't think that, oh, we can grow like meat, right? Like real meat mm. in a lab and then have like a 3D printed steak, right? That's going to be the future, um, yeah. cellular sort of farming. Um, and and it's not it's not as strange as people think because what really it is, is we, you know, it's just cells. And if you grow it in the lab, you're able to like concentrate and it's hygienic and it's in a safe area. Right. Um, and it's not extra other like chemicals or anything. It's really just like cells and then turning into like actual meat and protein. So you're really doing something similar to beyond, what is it? Beyond meat. Yes. Yeah, so we are not, we, we are not creating these different products. We are the oh. bridges between them and the consumer. Okay. So we are the educators really to, to explain, you know, how it goes, but oh. from a perspective of a benefit, benefiting everybody, like looking for that win-win perspective of how do we, you know, um, still live well, right? Like mm. it's not just good enough to just live, right? Living mm. is just as long as you're breathing, you have enough food and you have water, you can basically live. But to live well and healthy, mm. I mean, that's to thrive mm. is what we are trying to aim for in social innovation. Yeah. 
Anne Liao is just such an incredible speaker, and that was just a lot of information packed into 15 minutes about educating people and corporations on the importance of food and sustainability. Well, next week we'll be learning more from Anne Liao and also about her eating habits, whether it has changed since COVID. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.